This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast that covers all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up? It's me, Nate, here on the podcast. Um, nothing's up, I don't think. Getting to be the holiday season. Getting slow at work. Uh, what's going on with you, Aaron? Uh, I wish it were slow at work. The, the biggest thing going on with me is I recently bought a refurbished uh, MacBook that I could just use for non-work things so I wouldn't have to ever look at my work computer after I was done with work. That's right. You got to be careful about what you're putting on the work computer, as we know. That's right. And <laughs> just to like uh, form perfectly in my mind that this is not a work computer, I put uh, Spice Girls wallpaper on it. So when I open it up, it's just the Spice Girls and it brings me joy. So I'm seeing, because this window isn't taking up my full picture, I'm seeing, you know, some Spice Girl uh, midriff uh, below your faces here. So it's, you know, That's nice exciting. way to hopefully you can pos- Hopefully you can position our windows so we line up over individual <laughs> Spice Girls. Right, um, yeah. I would, Which Spice Girl I would, would you prefer, be? I'm think, I guess Ginger Spice. I think uh, that's hmm. Jerry Hallowell, right? I think I'll take it Jerry. Is. Uh, we're also joined, of course, by Mike Spears. Uh, Mike, which ginger, I'm sorry, ginger, fuck, which Spice Girl would you be? I mean, baby, come on. I'm baby. (laughs) Mike's baby. (laughs) Mike is baby. It all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, the the way you started that off, Aaron, by the way, hi, y'all. It's Mike. Uh, the way you started this off, I thought you were going to like be like, but I accidentally used this in a deposition, and then they all saw my Spice Girls wallpaper. I thought oh. that's where this was going. I, I sick, applaud actually. your efforts. <laughs> I was gonna say I applaud your efforts in keeping up the veil between work laptop and fun laptop. It'd be cool because you know I'm always deposing like cops. So I think it would really put them on their back foot if they saw like my Spice Girls uh, wallpaper. I think that's a good strategic move. Thank you. It's like, who, who the fuck am I dealing with right now? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we have a Twitter account. It's at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Pike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, I've been talking about the Spice Girls on my Twitter account recently, or at least one particular Spice Girl, Ginger Spice. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. Just I don't think I saw that. Uh, well, she's she's married to an F1 person, so it came up as it related to that. It, it, it was my tweet, wasn't it? Well, I tweeted, congratulations to Ginger Spice and no one else. But I mean, more importantly, uh, Alex Albon's stealing a smooch it on his last day at Red Bull. Uh, I fucking move. love it. Absolutely. Power move. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. It's called Everything Elite, as you heard at the start of the show. Type that in, whatever podcast app you use. Uh, we have uh, a link tree. Go on our Twitter at everything AEW. Go to our link tree. You know, it's like linked. I don't. It's weird how they split it up. So you know, I can't really remember how it's said, but I should figure that out and put it in the notes so I can just tell you what it is at this part of the show. Uh, if you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, our ad free show, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, customarily we would do elite or delete here, but I think we're just going to talk about, uh, the big fucking match that kicked off this show and lasted somewhere around 60 minutes. So, uh, 
Nate, I'll just start it off with you and take us where you'd like to go as it relates to uh, the men's world title match, uh, Hangman Adam Page and Brian Danielson going to a 60-minute draw. Yeah, well, let's talk about the match, and then let's talk about the finish, because they're kind of two different things, I think. Uh, the match, obviously, pretty great. It was obvious, you know, from the jump that they were going a long time, just by the way that they came out and, and were pacing themselves and, uh, you know, doing very sort of methodical character stuff up top. Uh, but really, I think right around, I don't know, 25 minute mark or something, it really started getting pretty intense. Crowd was, you know, into it throughout, very hot for both guys, really. I mean, Hangman was getting big face reception from the jump. Danielson uh, <laughs> just effortlessly gets booze. Um, I, I actually am surprised almost every time at how heartily the AEW crowds boo him after, you know, the, the lifetime of him being the best wrestler ever, whatever it is. Uh, but the match was great. You know, they had uh, a lot of interesting threads running throughout it. I observed on the Twitter that, you know, kind of the story of the match was Hangman was was fighting up from underneath whenever Brian started getting some offense in on him. Uh, and just through, you know, grit and determination and willpower he would cut brian off and, and get in there and, and throw a chop or whatever or run through a chop or kick him down or whatever it was uh but then brian was the better wrestler and that hangman kept going back to these moves that he'd had success with before and every time he did it brian was countering him uh and you know leading to brian getting the advantage again uh you have a nice little thread where you know hangman took away brian's uh kicking leg so his kicks at the end weren't really getting anything done uh, and then Brian took away Hangman's clotheslining arm. <laughs> so his clothesline, uh, you know, right at the right when you got into crunch time was not as effective as it might have otherwise been. Uh, and then so you had Hangman resorting to doing the head kicked in spot, which, you know, was also just desserts for Danielson going through and kicking all of his stable mates or stable friends or stable friends with benefits heads in. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, by the end of the match, uh, they had, I don't know what it was, four or five pretty convincing near falls where, you know, the crowd was on the edge of their seat thinking this is going to be the finish. This is guy, this guy winning. Uh, and they bit time and time again, got big reactions, super heated. Um, and yeah, that was the match. Then it went to a draw. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you all for listening to it. Uh, yeah, it, it it's something where... For me, it was very clear that this was going to be a long match. I don't know if I necessarily thought it was going to go an hour after the first exchange. But, you know, when they blew past the first quarter hour of no commercial break, that was when I was like, all right, they're, they're putting time into this. And really, the ability to do like this kind of Broadway match on national TV and keeping the live crowd into it and just like a nice change in a way uh, with typical crowds with time limit draws. Like maybe it is that the majority of the time limit draws came from very serious promotions like ring of honor with the fans in the crowd with like the stopwatch. You took it like that ultra serious, but this felt like a crowd that was just along for the ride. And I think that that was kind of like the best kind of crowd possible for doing an hour match in 2021. And 
I just was the the thing that got me and the the thing that I find so remarkable about Brian Danielson and this company is he is so I I don't I, I hate always calling him smart, but he's observant enough to be like, oh, this is a show that really likes taking shots of corner cams whenever they can. So what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to start doing the elbows into the corner when I was doing the corner cam, so that the the editor the director is obviously going to take that shot here, and it's a great use of the camera, and just like finding things like that, and then just like milking the crowd, like the way that Danielson was just gleefully working the crowd as the docs were working on Hangman's cut on the outside, like through a full commercial break. Like Nate, did you, did, did he pretty much just like get to a point during the commercial break where you'd think he almost ran through material to get the crowd revved up? Because I was kind of surprised that he was that, that in that picture in picture that they kept with him and he kept on just do, doing just crowd taunts for like 90 seconds. Yeah. No, uh, you know, he kept doing this repeated repeating bit where he was doing jumping jacks, which I think uh, was pretty smart because the further into the match and also the less ease with which he was doing them made the crowd hate him for it even more. By the end of the match, you know, he's on one leg and still doing the jumping jacks, really, uh, you know, uh, thumbing, thumbing his eye. Is that a phrase at the crowd? Um, no, you thumb yeah, your nose, thumb your nose, something your eye. I don't know. Uh, when they were doing, the ad break, the the seemingly super long ad break where they were treating Hangman's Cut or whatever. Uh, yeah, he was doing the jumping jacks. I think he got down and did push-ups. Uh, and then he started to do the fake, started to do a yes chant, but then faked them out and, you know, gave everybody middle fingers as well. That was, I think, maybe the most heat he got in the whole match and maybe the loudest the crowd was all night. Um, but yeah, speaking of that, that blood, there were also big spots in this match. You had the big table spot. You had... Uh, all sorts of high moonsaults to the outside and a fucking sick bump onto the apron from Hangman. So uh, they really, they got up to pace and then they really started bringing out the big moves here. Yeah. So I don't like matches like this generally. Uh, I just, you know, the pacing is just too slow for me uh, and my, my brain. But first of all, the crowd was with the match the entire fucking way. So, you know, I can't uh, fault them on that point. I mean, the crowd was super into this match the whole way. I thought it was, I was shocked, frankly, with uh, how into it the crowd was. I'm going to be really fascinated. I use, as I've tweeted, quarter hours are for incels uh, or quarter hours are astrology for incels. But I think quarter hours on this will be interesting because it literally went through four of them. So I'm fascinated to see if people turn this off or, or kept watching or more people turned in, tuned in. Um, but as far as if you're going to have a match like this, where it's slowly paced because you're building to uh, having this, you know, 60 minute match, this is like one of the best versions of this type of match to be in that, as you were talking about, Nate, there's a pretty clear through line and story to like every part of the match. It didn't feel as indulgent as a lot of the later era uh, New Japan main event matches could feel in that it was like, oh, we just have to do this to go this long. Or even 
like lots of the Brian Danielson 2006 Ring of Honor matches, like the indulgence that you would see in those matches. This felt like it had a point and that they were trying to get something across uh, throughout and that they successfully got it across and the crowd understood what was happening. This wasn't just a match for the boys in the back or for, you know, the people who review the matches uh, online. It was like, okay, this is for those people, but also everybody in the crowd knows what we're doing. So not exactly for me, but they executed what they were trying to do almost perfectly. So it's hard to call it anything other than a great match. Yeah, the crowd being with it the whole way, I think a lot of that just goes to how over these guys are. And Hangman has been over and continues to surprise me a little bit week to week to week with just how over he remains. Um, I, you know, the Texas, the cowboy gimmick in Texas probably got some uh, some extra shine for that, I suppose. Uh, Danielson is a heel. I don't know. You know, most times when Danielson has been like when he was a heel in WWE doing um, the I didn't see any of the vegan champion thing. Um, but there's I'm sure other examples of when he was a heel in WWE. Uh where it, you know, just like any other character or gimmick in WWE, you can kind of sit back from an abstract level and be like, oh, that's a really good performance. You know, he's really, he's really doing something funny and working them here and, uh, you know, being obnoxious in this way that's, uh, I can enjoy on a quote unquote intellectual level, even though I'm watching shit for morons. Um, but him as a heel in this company and in this match just feels like the real guy. Just feels like, no, this is this, uh, you know, vicious little guy who's like a wrestling prodigy. Uh, and he gets that big shit eating smile on his face where he's like barely even smiling. He just kind of has his mouth open. It's like a gape um, in this funny way. Uh, and he, you know, his eye, he's, smi he's smizing. His eyes are like squinting with how much he's smiling uh, at the people booing him for his, you know, little heel stick or whatever. And that feels like the real Brian Danielson to me. Um, just getting a kick out of, you know, being vicious and kicking somebody's heads in or laying in some chops or whatever. Uh, and then everybody booing him for some stupid little gag he does. So I, that really comes across to me like this, you know, this is maybe him. I don't even know if it's turned up to 11. This is like Brian Danielson turned up to like an 8.5. Uh, <laughs> and it's like the most heel, the most over heel act they've had. Uh, in a while. And it's something that like comparing it to other times where he has gone heel. It's not even like the WWE, even when he tried to become like the no guy or vegan champion is that you could tell like that. This is not necessarily an act like Nay, as you're saying, like this is just him turned up and how much he's enjoying this. Like it's something that, you, you know, he, the kind of reading his book and like hearing interviews with him, he is someone that like gets enjoyment out of certain things. And he was probably just having the best times. Like I'm just going to do jumping jacks all throughout the match. And as I get winded, the jumping jacks can get more and more shitty. And it, you could just tell that he was having the time of his life doing it. And it kind of came off that way as well. And I think that added an important element to it. Uh, what was your thoughts on the fact that, hangman 
did not do a whole lot in this match. Like he took bumps. Like don't get me wrong, he did like the apron bump after after the second Orihari moonsault. But a lot of this match was Danielson grinding uh page down. Like do you think like I I I could see an argument where people think like that that did not let Hangman look good, but I really kind of thought that that kind of played into everyone's strength here. Well, I mean certainly like the the you know third act of the match is a lot of Danielson getting the heat on Hangman, grinding him down, really thinking he's got that he's got him down and out, uh, and then Hangman you know coming back from the edge, you know breaking out of the LaBelle lock and uh, you know getting the advantage at the very end, you know right before time expires or whatever. Um, but I think really the first two acts, I think it was pretty even, uh, and I think that's what they've been good about doing with Hangman throughout his booking in this company is he's not a stupid baby face. He's not a baby face. They beat down all the time. Um, you know, he's not a, he's an anxious baby face, but when he's drunk or whatever, he's coming out to fight for his friends or whatever, then he's got fire and he's got his big baby face comeback. Um, and they're good about showing that part of him. And I think that's a lot of what has to do with why he's over as a, top babyface when it's been so hard for any company to make a top babyface uh in the recent years um but yeah really I, I think the first the first act certainly and maybe the second act they did a pretty good job of you know hangman firing up at the right time and not just letting danielson you know kick him and grind him down um, or you know reversing into the death valley driver and getting a big spot out of that um but yeah certainly certainly the third act when you really got into crunch time uh, that's when they really wanted you to think, oh, you know, Hangman's going to need to dig super extra deep to get out of this, the bad spot that Danielson has him in. I, th- I thought TJ Hawk, our, our good friend and uh, Patreon contributor, had an interesting point when he was saying that the the match was clearly laid out to tell you the story that Hangman was on the same level as Danielson. And however, because of some of the layout that you were talking about, Mike, uh, certainly at the end there, the match, I mean, you could kind of tell that Heyman wasn't or isn't on Danielson's level. So I don't know if that's the point you were getting at, Mike, or if that plays into what you were saying, but Uh, that's, that's an interesting thought to me in that Paige is like, I mean, I think everybody agrees that Paige is not on the level uh, of Danielson as a wrestler, like in whatever way you want to look at that uh, as like an in-ring wrestler. Uh, I don't star wise. That's really, that's hard to, yeah, hard to measure. I guess they both get pretty good reactions. Um, But yeah, I guess that's the thing. Do you run the risk in the way they did this match of making people think like, Oh wait, this guy's not actually as good as uh, this guy who we know is really good. Well, I don't think I, it exposed Hangman or anything. No. If that's the, the you know the the story. You know, Hangman took the big table bump and he's bleeding and uh, drained and injured, and then is beneath for the end of the match. But honestly, I thought Hangman's performance got better as the match continued. His I I said on Twitter his chops got meatier by the end of the match. He was laying them in more and you could hear him more. And it's like okay, now he's going toe to toe with Danielson's chops. Um, and, you know, none of the, none of the, he had the impressive caught Danielson on the flying knee attack and turned that into the fall away slam or whatever. Um, 
Yeah, I, I thought his his performance only improved as the match went on. I I felt like that the 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 fact that it does come off like that, at least like skill wise, the the story being told was Paige can just endure, and that's something that I think is probably unique to him amongst most of like the upper card faces that they have. Like it's not like Chris Jericho does that kind of selling. It's not like Moxley would, but like Moxley also is like Moxley's just going to like choke you out or he's going to give you the paradigm shift through the stage. So like he'll go to the lengths to put you down. And I guess like to me, like the overall story, like I was throwing that out there just as like an observation while I was like taking down notes. So there was like a couple, couple points where I was like, well, it feels like Danielson's taking so much of this. And it, it, I think it kind of paid off in the last five minutes because it showed like, oh, he's enduring all of this and has enough in his tank in a way like he worked through the blood he worked through his eye looked like he got like messed up several times throughout that match and actually was like really kind of cool the way that he he got what he bladed and then he got a, a real cut and it looked like he was getting like a mouse that kind of made this work a little way but i guess like my takeaway for, about this is so he survives danielson the next step would be like a no time limit match but I guess a battle of the belts is only one hour or about an hour and a half this this first time, and I wonder if that's where you do that match now. Well, let's let's yeah, take so, from that. Let's go into the the result and kind of how uh, that played into okay. the whole match for you. Great, uh, but yeah, first I agree with Mike um, that yeah, that's the hang, the story. The idea of the Hangman character is you know Danielson is a better wrestler than him. Uh, technical wrestler uh, but yeah you know hangman is the fighting cowboy who has the heart and the grit or whatever where he's going to endure and he's going to take that punishment and he's going to be able to come back and find some fight at the end um, yeah so the draw I guess I don't hate the draw finish I think it's fine it seems like the crowd in the building did you know kind of the best reaction you could hope for which is Oh, boo, we're upset. There's a draw. Our guy was about to win, and there's a draw. This sucks for our guy. Did a big round of boos, but then, you know, gave him a standing ovation or whatever after the match. It was like, hey, we appreciate that you're good at your performance art. Um, so that's probably about best case scenario for what you get from the live crowd. What kind of bothers me about draws in these matches or, you know, really time limit factors in any of these matches Um <laughs> It's basically that, like, we know how much time's left, and we're sitting there yelling at the babyface, like, fucking pin him. Fucking hit your finish and pin the guy. Uh, and Hangman had just laid out uh, Danielson with, like, a giant uh, flipping clothesline or something. Uh, and then, you know, has to sell like he's exhausted and tired and injured, and he's going to crawl to the ropes and get him and, and do the second clothesline to finish him off. Uh, and that's like <laughs> the only point of where I, you, you, you feel like he's a, um, he's like the, the fleeing girl in a slasher movie where you're yelling at the screen, like, don't fucking do that. You idiot. You know, don't hide in there, get out of the house or whatever. It's like, no, it's fucking pin the guy. You just hit your big clothesline. Uh, and this is the last 30 seconds of the match. Uh, we have to see you go and attempt another move. Uh, and that just frustrates me. It's like, no, dumbass baby face. Uh, so that's contrary to what I said about how they don't book him to be dumb, but he was dumb in that instant, but it's just kind of the necessity of doing a time limit finish where you have to go right up against that edge and, and 
you know, have him fail by half a centimeter or whatever. Uh, but you know, I, th- I think it's just mostly fine. It, I think the match would be more fondly remembered if he just got a big triumphant pin at 59 minutes and 59 seconds. Uh, I think people would probably, um, you know, call it a match of the year and, and et cetera. Um, but you know, you kind of put a, you put a semicolon of a finish on there and it's kind of like, yeah, that was really good. Crowd was really hot. Uh, you know, I don't, I didn't feel any super excitement when it was over it, but that's, you know, again, kind of what they were going for. So. I thought that all things considered with just the match itself, the draw draws fine. Like it, I don't think anyone loses anything. I think there's the claimer for the rematch. I, I don't think anyone loses anything and unless you're going to lose time with hangman waiting for cuts to heal. But, uh, I, I guess like my thing with the, with this Aaron was like when we were previewing the show earlier today, we're like, Oh, before we got on air, it's like, well, we got only four matches to talk about. Well, I guess they think something's going to go long and we might get another match just added in there. No, they ran with the four matches they had announced. And I think the the crowd got back into the rest of the show and there definitely were moments of the crowd was was popping. Maybe not as hot as the title match, but they they, they, they were up for the key moments. But I did feel like that the crowd was a little bit deadened. Like, it's not that they were quiet. It just is that everything had like 10% taken off it because of this match. So I think like that is something you have to concern yourself when you do these time limit draws. And I mean, they don't do very many of them. So it's nothing that they overextend. And this isn't like a startup thing where they discovered this year that they could have a time limit draw. It just, it, it, it's something that I mean, it, you're going to have a TV show disrupted by doing this. That's just the nature of it. Just like the same way as Nate's saying, like everyone at this point, when it, when they start doing the time call, it's like, come on, hit the finish and win. Come on, hit the finish and win. Like that's a natural reaction. And I feel like it's the natural reaction of a crowd that after having like this uh, intense of a match, this long of a match, this, and this like just exhausting experience that they're going to be a little bit more dead there. So Everything was, I guess, in a way to how I kind of expected it. Yeah, I think that plays into what Nate always talks about as far as how they build the cards. You know, like doing the big thing first is just going to leave the card, leave the crowd less for the rest of the show. Uh, Someone in the Discord said it reminded them of the United Center show, which I think is fair, you know, where you're... Yeah, Case did. Yeah, Case. So you're so excited about Punk and you kind of get everything out for him and... Nobody really gave a shit about a pretty excellent John Moxley Daniel Garcia match that happened at the end of that show. So, as far as the draw goes, I'm of two minds about it. Uh, one being, you know, when we were talking this morning about this match, when I was thinking about the Hangman title reign generally, I just want him to kind of beat all these top guys and really establish himself and ha- let them give him a chance to be on that level, to be a Moxley, to be a Jericho, you know, the the tippy-top guys. And I think he's got to beat all these guys to, to get there. So from my view of wrestling, this doesn't do that. You know, it doesn't have him establishing that, no, I, I'm better than this guy right now. On this night, I was better than this guy. So it doesn't do that. On the other hand, I was also thinking that he needs 
to have for the AEW crowd. He needs to show, hey, I can do a really good match that is a main event level singles title match. I think that's important as far as being over and, and, you know, being accepted as a top guy by the crowd. So he did that. You know, people are going to go fucking bonkers for this match. Nate, I I think even with a non-finish, it's going to be in the match of the year uh, discussion. I expect people were already saying that in the discord for sure. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. So I, I don't know. I would just rather he beat the guy personally. Like when they did that spot where, uh, the thing that Danielson always does in the corner, but uh, but Hangman flipped out of it and he went into the corner. I would have loved for him to gone off the rope, hit the lariat, and that's the finish, you know, like right at the end. So they've done the big match. They've done all the time, but Paige still gets the big babyface win. I think that would have been more successful than what they did. Yeah, I mean, I guess the theory is you do a draw here, then you get another match out of it. Um. I hope he wins the second match. If Danielson wins the second match, then I think you've cut off Hangman at the knees pretty much. Um, Yeah, I I agree with you. I think the best play for Hangman is see how much you can maximize him. And there's no harm in having him beat every other big star on your roster. I don't think there's – it's only only upside and no downside to having him – beat Brian Danielson in 59 minutes, uh, fend off CM Punk, um, you know, beat Kenny Omega when Kenny comes back from injury and, and wants his rematch or whatever, uh, you know, uh, he's long running thing with pack, you know, you can go down the list. There's, I've already forgotten everybody else. Uh, and then, you know, maybe, maybe Moxley's the guy that comes back and now you can do like, Oh, now we have a real question mark here. You know, is, is Moxley going to be the guy who's, had Hangman Page in the back of his mind all this time, and now he wants wants to beat him. Um, yeah, because I, you know, losing to Hangman right now does not hurt you at all in terms of establishing himself as oh, I can have match of the year candidates or whatever. Um, you know, the crowds the crowds love him already, so they don't need that. Do they need to do that for the star rating people on Twitter or whatever? Um, I, I don't think they don't need to. I think Tony Khan wants to, because I think Tony Khan is one of those people. And I know Tony Khan is one of those people. So maybe he wants to do that. Um, but Hey, you know, I better to have a good match than a bad match. I suppose. I have transcended beyond work rate snobbery, Aaron. So I, the, so what Nate referred to, like, I think that there is like that aspect about Tony Khan, that he's always going to have the inner poster, work rate board kind of guy about it i'm kind of past that at this point i i guess like i co-sign with a lot of what nate said and the question i would pose is you're going to need to have danielson and punk drop falls sometime and no better guy yeah to to give them their first fall yes right yeah so and it's something where i would say that Unlike with like Jake Cargill, who's now rookie phenom with over 20 wins without a loss, what does uh, Brian Danielson 10 and 0 mean differently than Brian Danielson 9 and 1? Nothing. He's Brian Danielson. It doesn't matter. However, for someone like Hangman Page being the one there 
matters a whole lot. So I, I think that's the other thing about wanting to solidify this night. And that's been on my mind, Aaron, ever since we talked about this morning, is like you're going to get to a position where it's like, all right, we're trying to save these guys. We're trying to save these guys. But why are you saving them for? All Danielson has to do to get his heat back is to kick someone's head in. All Punk has to do is pick up a, a microphone. MJF's at that, that point, too, where it's like, what value is this going to have continually adding to their win streaks when you could be getting something in an inverse? And I guess like that's kind of like where I walk away from this match wondering is when why why not tonight? What is the difference between just hangman winning clean and you do a rematch down the road versus oh Brian Danielson gets another draw. He's still without a loss. Like what value does it do for Danielson? I don't think it adds anything at all at this point. I think it's Yeah, do we do we think this increases the the appeal of the next match or makes it more of a draw when they do it a second time? I think that's I guess that's the question that Mm-hmm. We maybe maybe you disagree with them about. I think it's probably, you know, about the same. I I don't th- I don't think it hurts to every you know everybody that watched this is going to watch the rematch. I think that's fair to say. That that's certainly true, but it's like okay, like Mike said. Well, then you do a no time limit. Do do we want to see these guys go seventy five minutes? Is that interesting? It's not to me, but I, I mean, is it interesting to people generally? It, it, it's interesting to Danielson. It's probably interesting to yes. Tony. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't, I don't think they, I don't think that's the right thing to do. I think the right thing to do is, you know, have, have Hangman beat him in, you know, maybe 38 <laughs> at the Gosh. long, at the long yeah. point. If I had to, if I had my druthers. I, I just think about like, okay, when you did Omega and Okada, and they went to a 60-minute draw, and now we're going to do a no time limit. That made sense to me because they're both – that played into their strengths. They're both these, like, indulgent, big, over-the-top type wrestlers. Danielson also can do that kind of thing, but I don't think that plays into Paige's strengths very well. Like, oh, let's do 80 minutes. So I'm just not sure I understand that part of this. I like it better – like, okay, when Omega and Danielson went to a 30-minute draw, I was like, okay, yeah, I want to see these guys go again. But like a 60-minute draw between these two particular wrestlers, I'm like, okay, that's good. That's enough for me. I'm happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can't say it doesn't play into Hangman's strength because he was good here. And, you know, he'll be opposite Danielson who, uh, you know, can can pace it out or, or lay it out or carry him along with them as necessary so mm-hmm. yeah i'm, I'm kind of where i started it, it's fine i think it's fine as a finish i think it's fine as the next match it doesn't it doesn't fire me up the way hangman hitting his move and cleaning and clean pinning him in the middle would have that would have fired me up yeah uh all, all that really that, that you need out of hangman if you really want to get down to brass tacks here is at 80 minutes, 90 minutes, he has enough energy and the crowd is still in it for him to have his finishing stretch, then it doesn't matter about it other than like pure indulgence and, oh, let's see, we let's do this to do this. Like the one contrary thing about this, and yes, I know quarter hours are for uh, our astrology charts for incels, but uh, if it if the ratings don't show that doing four segments four quarters of the same match then you shouldn't do 80 or 90 minutes you shouldn't be doing that uh i just want to finish so 
if it takes 90 minutes to get there and it remains interesting, the crowd remains engaged like it did tonight, I'm fine with it. I just, I, I, I guess like I'm not dissatisfied by the finish. I'm not as dissatisfied as Nate is with it, it seems. But I, you know, does this leave me wanting? Yes, but not for a longer match. It leaves me wanting for a finish. <laughs> well, that's what I'm curious about is like, what, what does Paige... I mean, if we're assuming that Paige wins, which I, I guess isn't a foregone conclusion, but what does Paige learn? What does he take from this match into the next match that allows him to beat Danielson and perhaps even beat him more quickly? Yeah, he can't go back to the well. He can't you know, attempt the same moves multiple times. Um, he's He's got to know that Danielson is smarter than him or whatever, better technically inclined to do counters so on and so forth um so he's gotta add some new tricks to his bag full of them i suppose is the he's gotta diversify his move set i guess it proves that he's able to take everyone's big shots but i don't know if that does anything to really like change psychology other than oh I don't need to crawl to the rope so quickly in a submission. I'm too tough for this. So maybe that actually gives him hubris. Well, Thoros in the chat, I haven't seen uh, our friend Kara make this point, but he's saying they're, Thoros, I mean, is saying they're trying to make him Okada. If you view it that way of like, oh, he just always outlasts everyone's best shot. I guess it makes sense from that perspective. If that's what the story they're going to keep telling throughout his title reign. So I guess we'll have to wait and see uh, how that plays out. All right. Was there anything else about this match you want to talk about before we move on to something else? Like Tangman's tights, they were. Oh, yeah. We haven't talked tights. Like brown cow spots and then silver, you know, accenting, um, which was really a bold combination. It's like wearing, wearing, what brown shoes with a blue suit maybe uh but it kind of worked i don't know why i uh, it it kind of appealed to me yeah i thought that looks like i thought uh danielson's knee pad being covered by uh page's blood was cool as hell i thought it was funny how audible it was that danielson was doing some cussing at the end of the match and then page was like all right i guess i'm gonna cuss now too so uh that might be trimmed up for the vod and YouTube. Uh, I liked uh, th- just something uh, about this. I hammered on. I hammered on a little bit. This was like the best use of like guys thinking about that dumb corner cam that I've seen in a match in this company. And I hope people go like, "Oh, we can be smart about this." Other than they're going to pick like an awkward shot of it because they want to show off that they have a robo camera in the corners. I thought that that was really cool in this match. Like that was a big takeaway for me. Hey, Nate, what do you think is the most appropriate color of shoes to wear with a blue suit? Oh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> wear suits. That's a nice <laughs> blessing of my job. Sure. Um, I guess you don't wear brown brown shoes with a black suit? Uh, no, you sure, certainly should not. No. Okay, that's no. what I meant. That's what a you meant. A gray okay. suit, you could pull off. Yeah, because you're but... not wearing blue shoes, obviously. Um can you wear black shoes, shoes with a blue suit? Or I suppose you're not supposed to do that. You you can, but you have to do that very intentionally and be good at it. We gotta get we gotta get the real suitor on the show. Set us straight. <laughs> Just me, I guess. Set me straight. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, I just wanted to check because I thought that was interesting. Uh, I haven't comment. thought about him in a while. <laughs> well, glad that could happen for you here on the show. Uh, most of the, you know, we're not doing really elite or delete, but uh, most of the elites in the Discord were about uh, the the main match, the first match. Uh, but here's one, a little bit of news. Let's just throw this up top. Uh, this is I am the tables elite pick. According to Bodyslam.net, Brody King has signed with AEW. So this is in the in the wreckage of uh, Ring of Honor apparently being done. Brody King may be coming to AEW. That was Body well, Slam. I would that, not. No, that, body that that's Body Slam seeing what was clearly stated on the show and going, oh, I I feel confident about saying this is true because uh, the Malachi Black vignette was. Hey, hey, Brody King, you're in my club now. <laughs> Some body slams like, oh, uh, yeah, that's happening. Here's a report. I can reliably uh, guess at this because they put it on television. Yeah, the, the only reason why I've had this is that body slam has a real sketchy kind of hit rate with that. Well, they put uh, it on TV. <laughs> I, <laughs> Malachi I, Black I, told us that he's, that he's in the company. I, I did not pick up on Brody King whatsoever, Nate. So Okay, he said, now you can be more than a king. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of kings in wrestling. It's not, like I'm pretty more... sure it's not Kenny King. They are currently PWG Tag Team Champions. Uh, I feel like uh, I'm on Body Slam's side here. I don't know this for a fact, but I can say with 100% certainty that Brody King <laughs> is uh, coming in. Could be. Um, let's see. Who are other people who've won uh, King of the Ring? I can only think of King Booker. That's not very funny to say he's coming in. Well, no. we got no uh, no info on former King of the Ring Owen Hart in his tournament, which I believe we were promised on this show. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, uh, I I had something. Well, because that was that King... funny Tony Khan tweet where he was like, "I'm going to announce on this show that I'm going to make another announcement on some other in show in three weeks." In three <laughs> weeks, yeah, yeah. He called his shot and then didn't show up. Uh, well, Ray is Spanish for King. So there could uh, be a lot. That, I, a I mean, point. there's a lot of people. It could be, could be, it'd be Ray Horus. Who knows? I'm just saying. Man, what's going on with the, Ray Horus? I haven't heard that name in a long time. Uh, working Ring of Honor. I mean. Oh, I guess that's why I haven't heard that name the, in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, out of the Mexa Blood Act, I mean, we all seem to have Bandito. Flamita is now demonic. And Ray Horus is just kind of Ray Horus. Right. I'm just glad he didn't say, now you can be more than a sledge. More, oh, what man. about more than a slex? You can't that's be more business. than a slex. That's, yeah, that's the max. That's well, maybe, maybe he met the Ray de Reyes, Triple H. That's why we haven't heard from him in so long. He's coming in. <laughs> well, Ray de Reyes is a Triple A property, so I don't know if they want to step on toes by making that kind of inference there. And uh, he's completely out of the business now. I mean, come on. I, I mean, you've seen the tweets. Uh, all he's doing is surveying workspaces. I have. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, what was on the rest of the show, I suppose. So uh, some real whiplash here where they go from this 60-minute draw to the Young Bucks, uh, Adam Cole, and Bobby Fish backstage with a uh, Christmas theme behind them and some fucking kazoos just playing. So pretty loudly, frankly, over what they were uh, saying in this uh, backstage vignette. Uh, they Adam Cole says, when are the best friends going to learn not to mess with the super click? Nick Jackson pipes up and Bobby Fish. Adam Cole adds that in and Bobby Fish. 
basically, they turn this into there's going to be an eight-man tag on Rampage, these folks versus the best friends. Then they're going to destroy Sue's minivan, super kick her, and end her career. Nick Jackson saying that she gets W-2s uh, did amuse <laughs> me. I did laugh. Yeah, that line was great. The kazoos drove me insane. Like, just... What a whiplash. Like, you, you have to ease us back in. Like, like having Warlow versus Matt Seidel, that's what you do to ease us back in after that kind of match. You don't have the kazoos blaring like that. Do you guys think Mikey Ruckus laid down that kazoo track? He tweeted about it, so I think he did. <laughs> Undoubtedly, yeah. Beautiful. Okay, then we followed it up with Wardlow versus Matt Seidel. Wardlow won with uh, some power bombs. Uh, Sean Spears got on the mic during the match, tried to get him to stop. Uh, afterwards, told him that was excessive. Then he hit Seidel with a chair, took a phone call from MJF, and said MJF needed them to pick up champagne, and they were off. Yeah, this was dumb. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like it. Uh, you know, I think I just said Wardlow should just be killing guys on the show every week, and then they're going to slow burn him being a babyface because he's just going to powerbomb guys into oblivion and that's going to make people chant for him and like him. Uh, and they just got ahead of themselves and they decided to do it in one week. They're like, <laughs> and Sean Spears also got ahead of it because literally Wardlow hit one powerbomb and then Sean Spears picked up the microphone and is like, hey, stop, that's excessive. Like, if Matt Seidel can't yeah. kick out a one powerbomb, then what's he doing in the company? Uh, Sean Spears uh, looks like a goof. Uh, and not in like a not in like a fun heel way. I don't know. I hate the fucking beanie thing. Uh, yeah, I think the Sean Spears killed the joy of a Wardlow squash to me uh, by doing whatever he was trying to do here. I guess he was trying to more clearly babyface Wardlow by being like the buzzkill and being like, "Hey, stop doing all those power bombs everyone wants to see." Uh, but it was mistimed and poorly executed, uh, and I didn't like it, and I don't like him. Yeah, the, the match itself was exactly what we expected and was good for what it was. But then, like, the Sean Spears aspect to it just felt so kind of bizarre. And I genuinely like Sean Spears on Dark and Elevation just kind of being the worst teammate ever to Wardlow. But for here, it just, like, oh, it felt like it was very apparent that this might finally be the Wardlow turn. Of course, it was not the Wardlow turn. The Wardlow turn's never going to happen, I'm convinced now. And we have Sean Spears... Uh, making uh, MJF or MJF and Sean Spears making Wardlow go pick up champagne. Like, didn't accomplish really anything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You all are right. Everything you said is true. Um, there was a video next, as there is every week, for the next match in the TBS title tournament. This one was uh, Ty Conti, Penelope Ford. They're going to have a submission match. Well, Rampage. this wasn't for the TBS title tournament. Are they not part of that anymore? No, they've been eliminated like months ago. I don't give a fuck about this tournament. I hope that's clear at this point. But it, the tournament sucks. Uh, it's not built well. I don't give a shit about it. I don't even know who the fuck's in it. How about that? We yeah, but anyway, yeah, they do these video packages for whatever the the women's feud is that they're pushing underneath the feud actually on the show. Um, so yeah, they, you know, they're doing the packages, doing the interviews. Um, yeah. I, exactly. I, 
I, I mean, Ty was very charming on in this segment. Penelope Ford explained exactly what a submissions match was for us. And uh, we have a submission match on Friday. I mean, I guess it did what it was supposed to. I like the video package. I mean, it's it was fine. I just I just don't care. Uh, we had a, a Malachi Black pre-tape, as we discussed a little bit earlier. Uh, his eye is very black, which I understand to mean he is very powerful <laughs> at this moment. Uh, he spits on a druid, and he says the house always wins. So yeah, there was, there was the whole thing where the guy the guy was kneeling in front of him, and he was like clearly inducting him into the stable, and like he, he says, "You're a king." <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, that was that's what happened here. Is he was adding Brody King to the House of Black, or Kenny King, or Kenny King, or Ray Horus. <laughs> just just. Just cover all of our bases. If we mention anyone who has King even closely linked to them, then we will be right no matter what. Like, That's making right. a big swing there, body slam. We'll go for the safe play. We're getting on base. We're getting on base. Uh, he was doing Tarot and talking about bricks, too. Like, he's just Mordecai being spooky. Ross Tarot. Uh, like then we that. had Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb. Shida won with a jackknife pin. After Deeb hit Chekhov's exposed turnbuckle. <laughs> That's pretty good. The, I wish everyone could see just the guys just like, oh, yeah, just kind of nodding and whatever. Uh, as yeah. I, I think this qualifies as a smile that I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. It, it was fun. Like, it suffered because of the hour-long draw. Like, doing this kind of match on the same show with an hour-long draw wasn't smart. But the work was good. I thought that this was a solid match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I thought... They, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, you know, I was going to find something to say because apparently we have to have something to say. Uh, you know, I, the, Sheeta got the crowd behind her, which she usually uh, does. And I think that's uh, an achievement because they don't always put him in a position to do that. So, yeah. I liked that, you know, it, it had been built up as this big grudge match or whatever, and and they actually worked it like they didn't like each other. It was pretty, um, I don't know, it wasn't brutal. I wouldn't say that, but it was definitely heated throughout. So I think they did a good job of, of working the match. But yeah, uh, again, I'm sorry, I always forget who said something, but whoever said having a 60-minute singles match and then having just three other singles matches on the show after that just sucked and was like bad for the people who were in the other matches. Just should have done something else to make it more uh, interesting and different from what happened earlier. So I just think these two ladies got put in a very bad spot. And we had uh, the varsity blondes backstage with Tony Schiavone. Uh, Griff Garrison calls Malachi black a coward. Is he going to take the fight to him? Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. wants Griff to chill out. He's like, hey, man, you really want to fuck with uh, Malachi Black? This makes Griff very mad. Uh, he asks Pillman whose side he's on, gives him a, a shove, says, Julia is our sister. And, uh, you know, says he wants to fight Malachi Black. Yeah, so that's I think that's a good little. Good little match for Griff Garrison. He got some mic time here. He's going to get a, you know, story match against Malachi Black. I think that's a good way to kind of bring him along. Uh, this is, you know, they shouldn't be teasing Dissension and the Varsity Blondes for 
I don't know, 18 months from now, like this <laughs> could not be anything more unnecessary than having these guys have some intra-team feud angle, breakup, whatever it is. Like just let them get along and be a tag team uh, and get the crowds familiar with them. Get Griff Garrison the reps. Um, you know, I don't know. They've been on TV like three times, and they're already teasing them that they're breaking up. It's really, you know, WWE puts these teams together, uh, and then they have them on t- television every single week for six weeks and then breaks them up. Um, and AEW puts them together, uh, you know, for a year, and has them on TV half that many times and then breaks them up or adds a new person in and then has them turn on the other person and do a betrayal or whatever it is. Just fucking chill for a minute and let let people get into these roles and let the crowds become familiar with these teams. And I, I just don't understand the the rush, except that, you know, it's it's a easy story idea, I guess. Yeah, this was like a whiplash along lines of the kazoo. Like, just, like, just abruptly, Griff Garrison shouting repeatedly, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? She's our sister. Just, it, it was just, like, such a swing there that I was just like, okay. Like, I understand why Griff is angry and maybe Brian Pelvin Jr. going like, have you, you seen what he's done before? But then they should come together and be like, you know what? I understand, but I'm going to be the one to do this. And then you just have, like, the, the, like the usual just... Uh, baby face is going like all right i'll be behind you like you didn't need to have like teasing discord in a sub uh tv tag team hack yeah i mean i i'm probably overstating it a little but um whatever i thought griff you know was convincing enough in his first yelly tv promo so yeah whatever yeah people were making fun of griff but i thought he was pretty good here i was it was better than I anticipated it was going to be when they showed up on camera and I could see that Griff was the one who was going to be talking. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was by no means bad from him. I don't think it was uh, passionate. Yeah, it was acceptable. Uh, the, the real main event of the show was next. It was a uh, hook sizzle reel. Some highlights of Hook's debut on Rampage. Yeah, interesting to see what, you know, they very rarely do recaps or replays. So it's interesting to see what they do decide to go back and go, hey, here was something important. Remember that when this happened? Um, And, you know, they rarely do them, even though they have two television shows. And, you know, Rampage has a significantly smaller audience than Dynamite most weeks. Uh, But hey, Hook rated high enough that Dynamite wanted to go, hey, Hook. Yeah, well, he's got the number one selling T-shirt. He dethroned CM Punk. Well, that's the that's the long, long-term story, right? I mean, that was the origination of Send Hook, was CM Punk calling him out. Um, so you know, if they're not going to feed Punk to Hangman, I mean, maybe that's too long a wait to give Punk his first loss and have it be against Hook. Uh, but that should certainly be the big eventual hook elevation to like a big spot is beating CM Punk after yeah, we, however many months. Yeah. We just have to wait till 2023 when they'll do that. 
So make sure nothing gets punk angry for two years. After hunk. Oh. <laughs> hunk. I mean, that's <laughs> that's correct. But after hunk, has, after hunk has to break up with his dad first, you know, we have to have that right. angle before uh, he can be elevated. Well, I mean, it's a Team Taz angle. It'll take six months. It'll, it'll get time. <laughs> uh, and if you want to hear Mike and, and Nate talk about how great Hook is, uh, go on our Patreon. They did an episode all about Hook, uh, talking about this episode of Rampage. Eddie Kingston was backstage, and the point of this was to set up a 10-man that's going to be on Rampage and was spoiled later by a uh, graphic, and it'll be Eddie Santana Ortiz, the Lucha Brothers versus 2.0, Daniel Garcia, and the Acclaimed on Rampage. That's I, a good I match. Like, oh, yeah. That, that match is going to rock. Uh, I like the fact that uh, Eddie Kingston was like, I don't have Moxley here to back me up, so I'm going to call even more friends. So I, I thought that was kind of a funny kind of tweet. But yeah, this match should rock. That that's We're getting an eight-man tag and a ten-man tag on Rampage on the same show. Could have used one of those on this show. Uh, MJF comes out before his match. Uh, he's mad that Punk accuses him of using cheap heat. And all Punk did was say that the local sports team sucked for 10 minutes. He says he specifically liked the part where Punk said he wanted to beat MJF to move on to the world title picture. He doesn't know how winning a bunch of underwhelming matches against underwhelming opponents makes you a title contender. It just makes you the new Ryback. He says he doesn't claim to be the best in the world. He just is. And then he wrestled Dante. Martin for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. He won with the Salt of the Earth after Ricky Starks interfered. FTR came out to celebrate with MJF. The lights went out. Sting and Darby were there when the lights came up, not the Briscoes as I anticipated. Then Punk came out and he just lets everybody know that they're going to be doing Punk, Sting, and Darby versus MJF and FTR next week on Dynamite. Yeah, uh, the match was... I think pretty good in that it was almost all Dante Martin shine. Uh, MJF seemed like he got basically no offense in for, I don't know, 80% of it. And just was like, Hey, Dante, why don't we see all your cool spots? And Dante was like, okay, uh, you're going to have to roll out of the ring five times in a row. And MJF's like, no problem. Let's do it. So that was cool. Um, you know, been, been smart for them to have MJF on the mic to begin with, just to, you know, get the heat up in the building where they can boo him and, and give Dante a bigger babyface reaction when he's in in that spot for I think the first time. Um, the finish kind of stunk. Like they don't do a lot of little distraction finishes or whatever this was. Um, and I'm already down on like the Team Taz stuff, given their history of their previous story. So yeah, Ricky Starks can be out and like tripping his leg or breaking up a pin or whatever he did, and then that just going into like an arm bar and immediately tap out. That was kind of a dud. Um, and then the Briscoes not appearing uh, was also kind of a disappointment. So that was, you know, <laughs> it is, it's tough to have like Sting and Darby show up <laughs> and be like, oh, man, this isn't who I wanted to see. <laughs> um, <laughs> a cool match for Greensboro, I suppose. Um, yeah, I don't know. If you if you came into this man into this show with super high expectations of like, oh, Sting debuted last year uh, and Kenny Omega won the title uh, and it was a big show. Uh, I wonder if you're if you're not like, you know, a work rate fiend and you don't, you know, want to sit down and go, oh, well, that that opening match was five stars. If you're like a 
if there's a different kind of AEW watcher and you're like a more casual, I don't know if that's the right word, but whatever. I wonder if you go, oh, well, there was a fucking draw for the world title. Like they built up this world title match for weeks and weeks and there was a draw. And then, you know, there were no debuts on the show. I wonder if you're disappointed. Well, Tony Khan has been saying all week that there's going to basically be debuts the next several weeks on Dynamite. Yeah. So um, yeah, he certainly was. He certainly was doing a lot of media, and I did see that quoted. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, was, you you're right. I think. Yeah, I think you're right to be disappointed somewhat. Well, yeah, it was, it was a great match. the The whole show was one match, and it was a great match. So that's that's you know that's a success. I've really enjoyed this. I thought that MJF seeding, like, oh, I'm going to win this match of just a headlock takeover and then the crowd reacting for the headlock takeover pinfall attempt. I thought that was really cool, like the the fact that he's gotten that over to that regard. Uh, this match was fun. I mean, it was about what one would expect until the uh, deflating finish, like... I, I'm completely with Nate on the finish. Uh, to me, like when the lights went out for that long in the post match, was like it had like I didn't necessarily had Briscoes on my my mind, even though they've been like calling out uh, FTR as of late. Like that was not necessarily who I was expecting, but you did have like the lights out. I didn't really have anyone in mind that I was expecting, but the lights went out for such a long time that I was like, oh, it's got to be a big entrance. It's got to be a big deal, and then it was Darby and Sting. Which hey, the crowd was up for it. The crowd was like, all right, let's go. But with like that kind of like blackout, you, you, you get us wondering. And when you get us wondering, yeah. that's when dangerous things happen. Yeah, that I, I think we've said that since literally the first blackout that they did, which is like you can't just do a blackout for anybody. Like <laughs> the blackout has an expectation of like, I don't know, you can't do a blackout and it's guys on your roster. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, maybe if it's somebody returning for the first time in a while, they were out, you can do it. I guess if you're a spooky guy, if you're Malachi Black, you can do it. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, Malachi Black does it like every time, and then just this time it's Sting and Darby. I don't, don't you don't want to like just hit their music? I don't know. Right? No, I thought it was Malachi Black initially because I was like, oh yeah, Malachi Black does the uh, blackout entrance and blackout exit. So I was expecting that Nate, and then the blackout went on long enough. It's like this is longer than a Malachi Black back blackout i thought it was going to be someone at that point i didn't have briscoes in my mind but then it was darby and sting i was like oh okay but i mean that's a big match for sting's first match in the greensville coliseum and what did they say 27 years so it's that rocks yeah that, that, that i think that tony said that it was <laughs> they kept teasing throughout even the main event like we've still got a big announcement coming up from tony khan about a future match um so it's like oh well maybe it's finally going to talk about the on tournament um but he didn't have an announcement. He had, he was going to authorize a challenge that CM Punk made after he made the save on the fly for the baby faces. So I guess Tony was already going to book that match and it just so happened that CM Punk was going to come out for the save and then propose that match. Uh, so that was, I guess that was fortunate. They, they really uh, had an efficient show closing by being able to combine those two, uh, those two features. Well, I think what happened was as Punk is running out to make the save, he, he goes by Tony 
And he says, Tony, oh. I want to join up with them and fight those guys. Does that sound yeah. cool with you, Tony? He yeah, absolutely. And, and, well, and, Tony, it says, well, that's already on my card. I already <laughs> right, booked right, it. Right. I've been teasing to get an announcement all night. And, right. and that's the conversation that they have in the period of him sprinting to the ring. Well, you know, right. as the music hits, that kind of thing, you know, there, there's time probably. Oh, I, I do have a breaking news tweet that just hit oh. the, or that I just became of, from at the Ryback. So uh, from at Ryback, thanks for the shout out, MJF. Now you can have your big chance of being an enhancement talent working with an underwhelming opponent. Winky emoji, hashtag feed me more. And then a photo of Punk, I think, after the Mickey Gall fight bleeding and gassed out. <laughs> All right. Shooting a shot. Ryback, Ryback hates that guy. Shooting yeah. a shot, Ryback. I appreciate it. All right. Well, that was Dynamite uh, for this week. If you like our show, best way to They can only it. bring Ryback in if they bring him in with AR Fox as a tag. Agreed. I, oh, I think about the photo. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, if you like our show, the best way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, we cover everything that AEW does. We had the great hook episode about uh, Rampage uh, this past week. We do Rampage every week, of course, over on the Patreon. Uh, we I just put out a, a show talking about the, the build up to Starcade 83. Uh, it's oh, kind of yeah. pretty good I want to put that over. Yeah, I... Um... A lot of that information, so I think AEW probably has relatively new fans. Certainly, there's a surprising amount of people in our Discord, I think, that have come to wrestling in the last few years, so they may not know all that history. Um, and that's all sort of history that I have picked up, like, just from listening to Melter address it in, you know, however many fractional pieces over how many Q&A sessions over however many years. Uh, and, you know, had never read it, like, in a history book or something where... You laid it out in a really nice timeline, I think, right at the top of the show. So uh, check it out if you have any sort of uh, interest in that era or that region, because uh, I think Aaron does a good job of giving you a nice, clear through line of all that history um, in a way that, you know, I, I haven't heard a lot of other people do, even though, you you know, you, you hear the names of these promoters and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, but it's nice to have sort of a a coherent narrative of it. Well, thank you, Nate. That's very nice. Um, yeah, it's. I'm a very nice person. You are. It's about Starcade, but it literally starts with the formation of the National Wrestling Alliance and uh, the explosion of cable television and how that kind of leads to uh, Starcade. So I talked about that. Uh, it was fun. A lot of people have said nice things about it. So I appreciate it and I hope you'll listen to it. Uh, I know, Mike, you're working on an episode about the end of Ring of Honor that'll be coming up soon. Yeah, that's something that I'm aiming to have out probably before the time we talk next week. Uh, I, I have a lot of thoughts about Ring of Honor's uh, end of the era and Ring of Honor's place in history and then Sinclair. And I actually will be posing a interesting thesis that I have about what is the most important day in Ring of Honor's history that no one talks about. So I'm looking forward to get that in the can and I'll be out to y'all sometime before Christmas. I'm just going to promise before Christmas. And I should have also said that the Stargate thing is timely because that show, of course, happened in the Greensboro Coliseum, which is where AW will be uh, next week. And we also have uh, awards. I sent around the history of our awards, the two years to the guys so we could 
give them a look over and we'll be doing uh, year three of that sometime soon. Yeah, we should figure out when we're going to do that. We should. That's, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, I did a modicum of uh, prepared, preparedness, preparement. <laughs> Yeah, preparation, preparation. There we go. There we go. I I did a little bit. Uh, What did you think? This isn't good audio, but what did you think, Nate, about uh, the format that I put together for the for the awards? Oh, about the Excel. Yeah, it's much better than your than your previous Excel. (laughs) Yeah, the rotation for our Patreon shows. Sure. Um, Yeah. uh, No, that was that was good. Um, Thanks. You know, it's it's a little tough because some of those categories have very long. Yes entries or whatever so you guys touch it out but uh it was very easy to to find the information i wanted that's great that's great all right so uh join our patreon it's patreon.com slash everything elite there's three tiers you see it all on there um yeah join us we have a discord also next week no rampage garland texas on friday uh mike and i will be talking about it on a patreon yeah buddy we got the 10 man we talked about the eight man we talked about Ty versus Penelope. And uh, that's right. And Dan Lambert will be there as part of his ongoing um, feud with the NCAA. I think, what's his name? Uh, Emmert. Mark Emmert, I think, will be in the building. And uh, Dan Lambert versus Mark Emmert is the main event of Rampage. You know, he was the man who brought the U back. But now he has a bigger task on his plate. And that is bringing down the whole damn thing. Dan Lambert and BYU will be bringing down the NCAA. Well, I, I look, I, I for one welcome our Mormon overlords. <laughs> uh, so that'll be on Rampage. Mike and I'll talk about that on World Tour on uh, this weekend on our Patreon. And then Dynamite will be in Greensboro next week with uh, Punk, Darby, and Sting versus MJF and FTR and Malachi Black versus Griff Garrison. Mike and I will preview that on light next week on our patreon and uh nate will nate was it this week that they had the thing with uh the people in costumes that i saw going around did you talk about that on this week's light uh that was this week no i didn't talk about it okay was i thought that was was that not on bte no sammy no cody's not on bte cody Cody does not bte anymore that's right they hate each other There's dissension among the uh, EVPs, right? I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, Well, make sure you follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcasts app. And please go to patreon.com slash everythingelite and subscribe. Uh, I think that's it for Mike. For Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.